We're so glad you're here tonight. For those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Kim Rodriguez, and, and, and um, I get, have the privilege of sharing God's word with you tonight. And um, let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts right now to receive your living, abiding word. I thank you for your faithfulness, for your kindness, for your goodness. And I pray that you would teach your people how to praise you and how to worship you and how to exalt your name because you are worthy of honor and praise. And I pray that you would take your place in our hearts, that you would rule and reign as Lord of lords and King of kings. And I pray all these things in the name above every name, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And I'm so excited that we're studying um, this portion in the, in, in the book of Psalms. And as Jeremy said in his first message, the book of Psalms is actually a book of a book of praise. If you want to learn how to praise God with all your heart, study and read and memorize and hide the book of Psalms in your heart. The book of Psalms is also a book of poetry. And it's poetry that expresses God's beauty, his majesty, all kinds of different ideas. And so the Psalms is a book of poetry. Psalms is also a book of prayer. And if you want to learn how to pray, read and study and hide the book of Psalms in your heart. And then when you're going to pray, what will come out of you is God's word. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's by far one of my favorite books of the Bible. Not my favorite, but one of my favorites. Um, I, I, in, in the book of Psalms, I love that there is such raw emotion in, in David's heart and many of the psalmists, I love the way that um, the people in that book express their hearts to God. So let's dig into the, to the book of Psalms. Many of the psalms were penned by David. The one that we're studying tonight wasn't penned by David, but it's actually about David. And the thing that you know as you study the life of David, you discover some things about his life. First of all, David was a shepherd as a young boy. And he tended his father's sheep. And I was believed that it was there as he was out caring for the sheep. And as he looked up at the stars in heaven, he began to worship God. David was also a worshiper. He played instruments. He played the harp. And he was invited into Saul's, in, into Saul's presence when Saul was suffering from um, a, a, some tormenting spirits. And when David played, it calmed that spirit down in Saul. Um, David was a warrior. And so I believe that we can learn a lot um, from the book of Psalms. We can learn a lot from um, a man like David, who God called a man after his own heart. And so um, as we dive into this book of Psalms, I kind of just wanted to um, kind of go through and kind of summarize what we've done up to this point. But before we do that, um, if, if you could put the questions up on the, up on the screen... I'd like you at your table tonight, I'd like you to talk about two things. Number one, talk to the people at your table about some social justice issues that you're really passionate about. 
some, some injustice that's happening in the world that you would really like to see change. That's number one. And the second one, uh, what are some of the consequences of injustice that we live with, either, either in our own lives or that we see played out in other people's lives? So if you could just take a few minutes and talk to the people at your table about those two things, um, go ahead. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two main ideas. And, and the first thing that I want to talk about is the power of praise and worship. And, and I hope tonight that as you leave this place, that you will have a greater understanding of, power, of, of the power of praise and worship. And that it will become um, not only something that you do on Sundays and Wednesdays when you come to church, but it will become a lifestyle. Because um, praise and worship is something that we were created for. When we worship God, it says in, in Psalm 22, it says, God inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we worship God, his presence is here with us in the midst. As we are worshiping him, he's here. He's inhabiting our praises. And so um, one of the things that you will discover that is woven throughout the entire book of Psalms is this idea of praise and worship. And so when I talk about praise and worship, the first thing that I want to think about is when I'm praising God, it's sort of like thanking him for what I have. So here's an example. God, I thank you for the breath in my lungs. I thank you for my life and for my health and for my family. I thank you for everything that, I've, that you've given me. I'm so grateful for, for you, for what you've done in my life and for, for what you're doing in my family and for what you're doing in this church and for what you're doing in this community. I praise you and I thank you and I exalt you with everything I am and everything I have. That's an example of praise. So... Honestly, this should be a lifestyle that we have every day when we wake up. We should wake up with an attitude of gratitude. And if we wake up, I'm telling you, it really changes your outlook on your day. When you wake up praising God and thanking him instead of complaining because of whatever's going wrong in your life. So I'm, what I want to do tonight is I want to give you a tool and a weapon to take home to put in your arsenal to use on a daily basis. Number one, it's praise. It's thanking God and praising him for, there's countless things that you can praise him for, okay? The other one is worship, and I'm gonna define worship like this. Worship is actually worshiping God for who he is. Worship him for who he is. And if you read through this Psalm 89, one of the main things that this Psalm emphasizes is his faithfulness and his mercy so father you are so faithful you cannot not be faithful you fulfill your word you keep your promises thank you for your faithfulness through the generations thank you for your faithfulness in my life I worship you for your faithfulness and for your mercy and so you're worshiping God for who he is in your life and who he is as it's revealed in the scriptures so God is faithful and he's merciful and if you look at Psalm 89 that's how it's that's how the first verse starts and I'm I'm just going to do a brief summary kind of over the messages that we've gone through up to this point so the verse for, the first verse starts 
I will sing of your mercies and your faithfulness. I will sing. I will sing of your mercies and your faithfulness. And so I would encourage you to make it a habit in your life to sing. Now, maybe you're like Jeff and you're not very good at it, but you can put the volume up really loud so it drowns you out. And you just sing with all your heart. Because the Bible in Psalms also says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So it doesn't matter. Even if you're off key a little bit, singing with your heart and making music to God brings joy to your heart. It changes your attitude. And all of a sudden, you're taking your focus off of yourself and you're putting it on God. And so singing of his mercies and his faithfulness, his goodness, his love, all of these kinds of things. So I want to encourage you to make this a lifestyle in your life. It really will change. It really will change you, and it will change the environment around you. Now, it's interesting, in the second message that we heard, and Jeff Barnett did an excellent job of talking about this idea of covenant. And what I want to do tonight is I want to just... Um, I want to go over briefly, this entire psalm mostly focuses on the covenant that God made with David. And so what I want to look at tonight is actually, if you could put up on the screen, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. And this, this particular passage of scripture talks about that covenant that God made with David... And this covenant is an eternal covenant. In other words, it didn't end when David died. It was an etern- It goes on forever. And so this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse six, 7. And it says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so this right here is talking about that covenant that God made with David. And this is actually a prophetic promise that God was going to fulfill that. So that eternal kingdom, when Jesus came, he came as the son of David. And he actually sits on the throne of David. And in this psalm, it's talking about the covenant that God made with David. And so David is a very important person in the scripture. And this psalm is talking about how God was faithful to David and how God is keeping his promise to David. And through Jesus, because, he, because his life didn't end in the grave, but his life goes on forever. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He sits on David's throne, and his kingdom has no end. And even more than that, his kingdom increases. Every day his kingdom is increasing and it's advancing. Every day it's getting bigger, God's kingdom is. Because every day, as we heard last week with Brother Yun, people are coming to Christ. And not just here in the United States, they're coming to Christ in Iran of all places. That is such good news, isn't it? That's amazing. And what God's doing in North Korea, it's so exciting to hear that people are coming to faith in the nations. And so God's kingdom is increasing because more lives are bowing their knee and they're surrendering to the Lord. 
And, and his kingdom is increasing and it's advancing. It's ever increasing. So that was one thing I wanted to share with you. And it's very interesting to me that um, the next thing that we talked about, um, the next sermon that we talked about, again, it's focusing on praise. It says the heavens will praise your wonders. Think about that. The heavens will praise your wonders. What's in the heavens? Angels? Stars? Honestly, you guys, everything is made to praise God. I remember this one time I was driving through the, the desert in South Baja, and there's this really funky-looking cactus that look like they belong in a Dr. Seuss book. And these, these cactus are, like, reaching up to the sky like this, and I could just see them, like, worshiping God. And, and so it says here that the heavens praise his wonders and his faithfulness. And then it talks about, it says, and this is what I love. It's like the psalmist, as they're trying to praise God, they're looking for adjectives. They're looking for the, the most powerful language they can come up with. And remember, Jeremy had us like, hey, give me some descriptors of, of, of God. And it, 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 um, the words that we came up with were like, he's he's he's. He's incomparable. There's no one like you. He's awesome. He's powerful. Um, God, the, we don't have language, honestly, to adequately praise and describe him for who he is. And it says that he is powerful not, over nat- not only over nature, but also over his enemies. And, um, and, and that's the kind of God that we worship. That's the kind of God that we praise. And that's the kind of God... That, um, that we serve. He's not only powerful, but he's the creator. He created everything. He created you. And it even says in, these, in this psalm, it says the mountains praise you. And, and honestly, it, it, it talks about him being breathtaking and awesome, powerful. And I love how Psalm 150 ends. It says, let everything that have breath Praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. We were made to praise the Lord. And when you're sad and when you're depressed and when you're discouraged, I'm going to tell you what to do. Praise the Lord. Sing with your whole heart. Speak praises to his name. And your depression will leave. And your sadness will flee. And, and I'm telling you, this is a key. And, and this is one of the main things that God taught me when I went down to Mexico was how to pray and how to worship. And what, I, what, what I'm trying to do tonight is I am trying to increase your, your desire and your ability and your time in worshiping God. It's super important. And I remember, um, I'm, I'm going to share uh, Two more things, and then we'll, then we'll get into the portion that we're going to study tonight for a few minutes. I remember particularly this, this one time. We were in Mexico, and um, a really terrible tragedy happened. Um, missionary dad and his young son were working on a, a really large van. And they were, they were trying to figure out a problem, and the son crawled under the van... And all of a sudden, the jack collapsed. And the dad didn't know what to do, but his son was trapped under the, under the van. And he was about 15 years old. And he started praying. He started crying out to God. And then God, like, 
told him, pull his legs, pull his legs out from under him and you'll pull him out. And so the dad pulled the son out from under the van. And this particular family had 11 kids. And so, and then pretty soon news ran through the whole community. And we all showed up there on the property. And here's this 15-year-old kid laying on the ground. His face is ashen gray. All of his brothers and sisters are like super freaked out. My son and I show up and all the other missionary kids. And it's just a moment of such deep sadness. And eventually, um, they, I believe the ambulance came. They put him in the ambulance. They took him away to the hospital. And there was so much pain and there was so much fear in that moment in our community because we weren't sure like how long he had been under there without breath. There was just like, you could just feel, you could feel like just the fear and the worry on us. And so one of my friends said, I know what we need to do. Let's gather all the kids together and we're going to worship God. And so we got all the kids together in the living room. Somebody grabbed an instrument and we just started worshiping God. Started worshiping God. And like an hour later, we get a, call, a phone call from the hospital. David's fine. He had to have like a few stitches on his leg, but other than that, he was perfectly fine. And that was the first time that I understood the power of worship. Because it not only took away that fear and that panic and that worry for the well-being of this young man, David, but it actually, um, I, I believe that God in the midst of our worship was doing something to heal that young man's body. I'm telling you, there's power when God's people worship him. And so I'm really wanting just to encourage you to worship. And the last thing I want to share with you is... Um, Jeff Foss came down like back in 2007 or something with his worship team. And we went into all these different communities um, to preach the gospel like uh, in these basketball courts. We didn't get a high turnout of people. But I remember this one time we were in this one community and I was walking around praying that people would come. And Jeff and the band just started worshiping. And God, and God made it so clear to me in that moment. He said, even if the people don't come to hear the gospel, even if everybody's sitting at home, just by virtue of the fact that you are worshiping God in this community, I'm here and I'm changing things and I'm moving and I'm doing stuff. Worship is powerful. And I would suggest that you make it an integral part of your lifestyle on a, on a daily basis. This really has changed my life. And, and I can guarantee that it will change your life too. So what I want to do now is let's, let's move into Psalm 89. Um, we're going to look at verses 14 through 18, and I want to start with verse 14. If you could all stand, and we'll read just verse 14 together. Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. You may be seated. And one of the things that God put on my heart tonight is to really emphasize this first verse. Because 
um, I feel like this is such an important um, concept. It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So when you think of a throne, you think of a king or you think of a judge. Now, Jesus is the king and Jesus is the judge. And the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. Now, when you think about maybe your own life or you think about our country or you think about other nations, in places where righteousness and justice are not in effect, there is corruption. There are innocent people that go to prison. There's all kinds of horrible things that happen when righteousness and justice are not the foundation of a throne, of a nation, of a government, right? And so I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how, like, about how important God's righteousness and justice is. And I, and I was thinking about all of the times that I've gone into places and my heart is broken because of things that people have lived through and happened to them. And I was thinking about how God's promise is that he will bring righteousness and justice to a situation. And so can you guys imagine a place... Can you imagine a, a judicial system where a judge cannot be bribed? Where there's no partiality or prejudice? Can you imagine a system where a slick lawyer can't get some criminal off the hook because of some loophole in the law? Can you imagine a system where the guilty are punished and the innocent go free? Can you imagine a system where rapists and child molesters and wife beaters and murderers and human drug traffickers and terrorists don't get away with their evil, damaging behavior? Because this judge, he knows every thought, he knows every motive of the heart. You can't fool him and you can't lie to him. And, and, and so to me, I, I don't know if you guys have, like, I, I literally have spent time in places and my heart has been breaking for things that people have lived through. Some of these things that I've mentioned. I've seen the devastating effects of those things on families and even on cities. And so to me, when I think about this idea that righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne... He comes to set everything right. He comes to, to, to bring judgment on evil. And the people that have been affected and been hurt by these things, he comes to make it right. He comes to set it right. And so I love that righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. And I love the second part of that verse. It says, it says mercy and truth go before your face. God's heart is a heart, he, he, he demands righteousness and justice, but mercy and truth go before his face. And, and the reason that I started meditating on this whole thing is because there was a song that I was listening to, and it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I'm like, really? Wow, that is amazing. God is so merciful, he's so kind, he's so tender, and he's so compassionate. But he's also righteous and just, and we need both. Because there needs to be righteousness and justice 
for that child who's been deeply wounded by that adult. We need righteousness and justice for all of the evil things that happen in our communities, in our societies, in our nation, in our na- and then in the nations of the earth. And so, again, this is an opportunity for you to worship God because of his justice. Maybe even something happened to you in your life. And maybe that person got away with it, but they're not going to get away with it forever. The Bible actually says that one day we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for everything that we did. Sometimes people get away with things in this life, but one day there will be an accounting before God of everything. And he's going to set the record straight. And the broken hearts will be healed. And the unjust people who have who've done great harm, those people will be judged. And the verdict will be the right verdict. And so I love this about our God. And I, I honestly used to focus more on his love and his mercy and his compassion. But I began to realize how important it was that he was righteous and that he was just. Um, And so I want to move on to the next verse. If you look at um, verse, we're going to look at verse 15, and this is what it says. It said, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. And so really, again, this portion of Scripture is talking about we need to make a joyful sound. We need to be happy in our God. In his presence... It says in Psalm 16, in his presence is fullness of joy. And when you are happy, and always the thing that I think about, you know, like when we go to a concert or we go to our favorite athletic, our athletic event and you hear people, you know, when somebody makes a touchdown and people are cheering and they're, they're jumping up and down and they're belly bumping and they're going, they're going wild. The crowd's going wild because someone makes a touchdown. That's the kind of praise we should give to our God. We should be jumping up and down for joy because of what he's done for us. We should be, you know, so happy and cheering because somebody got saved last week. You know, we, we should be so filled with joy because, of, because, of, because we know God and because of what he's done for us. And then the next scripture says this. It says, in your name, they rejoice all day long. And in your righteousness, they are exalted. In your name, they rejoice. In your name. When you're talking about a name, you're talking about that person. In his presence, we rejoice. And and honestly, when you really get to know God and you get to know his righteousness, you want to see righteousness in, in, in your community. You want to make sure that someone who's truly a criminal gets convicted and doesn't get set free. Because your heart becomes like God's heart. And it says he exalts. He exalts the righteous. God wants, to, I believe that we're living in a season where God wants to put his people in leadership positions to bring righteousness in the schools and in the hospitals and in the police department and in the fire department and in the government. 
God wants to raise up his people so that righteousness would be established in our, in our communities and in our country. And so God is, um, God is so amazing and we should literally be leaping for joy for what he's done for us. And then in verse, um, in verse 17 it says, For you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our horn is exalted. Honestly, it says, um, it, it says in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. God wants to give us strength to stand firm. He's the one who gives us the strength that we need to go through whatever situation we're facing in our lives. And it's the glory of his strength that fills us and helps us through the things that we need to go through. And then in the last verse it says, For our shield belongs to the Lord and our king to the Holy One of Israel. When you speak about shields, you're talking about protection. You know, the police department, they wear a shield. Because they're, they're, they give an oath to defend and to protect God is our protector. He is our shield. He is the one that defends us and protects us. He pours out his favor upon our life. And it says that even the king and our king, in this case they're referring to David or whichever king was on the throne at that time, and our king to the Holy One of Israel. He belongs to God. And I believe that we are living in a season and an hour that if we want to see change in this nation... If we want to see the racism divide healed, that we need to pray for this nation and that we need to pray for the men and the women in leadership so that righteousness will be established once again in this nation. It, I, I believe that it's up to us actually to take a stand. It's up to us to pray. It's up to us to move into the, leader, into the positions of leadership where God's calling us wherever we're at, to make a difference in our jobs and in our communities. And so I just want to encourage you tonight as, um, as, 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 you, as you go about your day, I want to encourage you to, to, to come into a lifestyle of praise and worship and, and begin to praise God for his faithfulness and for his mercy and for his justice and for his judgment. And, 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 and also, um, I just want to encourage you to be a person of influence in your community, in your job, in your family, wherever God has you. That you would actually, instead of, you know, getting involved in the gossip that's going on in the office, pray for your coworkers, you know. Um, and, and, uh, and actually, if, if you're allowed to, even put some Christian music there, you know. Or put it in your ears if you're having a bad day. I'm telling you, it will change your attitude. It really will. Um, why don't you stand up? And why don't we just take one minute before we leave and just begin to thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for everything he's done for you. So, Lord, we just thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. Even when we're not faithful, you remain faithful. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that you are a God of truth. 
We thank you that you make wrong things right. And we cry out to you. And we pray, Father, that you would have your way, first of all, in our lives, that you would rule and reign in our lives. And we're asking you to rule and reign in our families. We're asking you to rule and reign in this church and in our community, in this nation, and in all the nations of the earth. We're asking you that that your kingdom would continue to increase on the earth and that we would see righteousness and justice established once again in this nation and in the nations of the earth. And all God's people said, Amen.